0: Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. All right. Well, we're going to open up in prayer tonight and get started. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity and privilege it is uh, to be a part of what you're doing here at the Ark. And, Lord, we thank you. That as we come tonight to healing class, Father, we thank you that you have a now word for us, Lord God, a word that's going to be imparted into our hearts and that's going to produce healing in every aspect of our bodies and minds and uh, our entire lives. Father, we thank you that your word's going to come forth and fall on good ground and produce a hundredfold return in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to make our confession tonight excuse me while I adjust. Can you still hear me? Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's hold our Bibles up and say all together, say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. It's, God's word to me. it's God's word to me. It strengthens me. It, strengthens it refreshes, me. Me. It refreshes me. It's to me. It's medicine to me. And I love to read my Bible. And I love to read my Bible. Amen. Um, You may not know, but you should know, and now you do know, that uh, the Bible, the Word of God, is very important in your healing journey. If you are going to receive the healing that God has for you, which I believe everyone in here will, the Word of God is going to be foundational in that happening. And so we make that confession, just not to make it each and every week, but we make that confession to, to, like I like to say, put a stake in the ground and say, you know what, this is my Bible. It is God's Word to me. It is going to refresh me. It's going to strengthen me. It's going to be medicine to me. We're making that claim uh, right out the gate. And what's going to happen? That faith, that faith is going to link up to the Word of God, and the Word of God is going to produce in your life. Amen? Amen. A couple of weeks ago, when I, had, when I taught the first time, I taught a message on hearing, hearing, hearing. And I said I was going to follow that up with um, a lesson on doing. The Bible says hearers and doers, and so we're going to do that today. But wanted to start off with a uh, interesting story. I don't know why I tell stories on myself all the time, but I, you know, people don't mind. So uh, my very first car was a Pontiac Grand Am. It was a 1990, 1990 Pontiac Grand Am. Um, at the time, I thought it was the best looking car. When I look at it now, it's kind of ugly. So, um, But I got the car. My dad bought the car for me, and I still remember him um, you know, giving me the keys, and he said, son, two things you need to remember. Make sure you put gas in the car, And make sure you put oil in the car. Got it, Dad. Got no problem. Got it down. I'm good. So I drove that car, and 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 I drove that car. About a year into driving that car, I'm coming home one, one day, and I'm going down the freeway, and then all of a sudden, the car starts driving weird, and then all of a sudden, I start seeing smoke, and then before I could even make an adjustment, boom, and the hood flies up, the car starts slowing down. And there's smoke everywhere, cars are swerving, and um, I I ended up being stopped in the middle of the freeway and, and, you know, had some guys jump out. They helped us push it to the side and everything. Had the car towed to the house. My dad is, like, furious. He's like, I can't figure this out. You know, did you do everything I told you to do? I said, yes, sir. And so he's looking over the car, and he says, son, when's the last time you put oil in this car? (laughs) I said, "Uh, what do you mean? He said, when's the last time you put oil in the car? (laughs) I said, I've never put oil in the car. And he said, you've been driving this for over a year and you've never put oil in this car? So maybe there's some car people in here. That's not a good thing, okay? But it blew the car up, it damaged the car and it was very expensive. Well, what happened? I was told what I needed to do. So I heard it. I heard it clearly. Told him, yes sir, I got it, I understand. And then for the next year and a half, I did nothing, and because I did nothing, it didn't profit me at all. In fact, it cost me something. Well, the Word of God is being taught in healing class every week. The Word of God is being taught in service every week, but if we only come and we only are hearers and not doers, it's not going to benefit us at all. We have to be willing to do something, all right, and in the doing That's where faith is recognized. You know, I say it in every class that I teach. I say it all the time. I say it so much. People who who are close to me get tired of me hearing it. But I mean it. Life change happens in the application. If if you're going to see a change in your healing, in your health, then there's got to be an application. There's got to be a doing. And so tonight I want to spend a little time uh, talking about doing. I'm going to do something a little different. I have some slides tonight because I like to see the word. And so I want you to follow along in your scriptures, but I also have it on my screen. So I typed this up in 15 minutes, a lot of slides. So if there's misspellings, blame my wife. All right. James, that never, oh, that is on the recording, isn't it? Okay. James 1:22-25 says this, but prove yourselves doers of the word. and, And this is the amplified, actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners, those who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone who listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks carefully at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, He will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. We want to become doers of the word of God, not just listeners. When the word of God is preached, when the word of God is read, when we see it, when we understand it, we want to internalize it, and then we want to do it. We don't want to get caught up in reasonings and and rationalizing. If God said it, I receive it, and now I'm going to walk it out. That needs to be our response all the time. God says it, I receive it, and now I'm going to walk it out. We're going to unpack how, how this all looks and how all this works, but I wanted, wanted to start with uh, a story in the Bible that I think really plays this out very clearly for us, and it's the story of Naaman. Um, and so I'm going to ask you, I don't have this on the slide because it's the whole story, so I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings. And we're going to start in our chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. Does anyone need a Bible? Okay. Keep your hands up, please. We don't mind taking time. We want everybody to be able to follow along. Second Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. If, if you're new to the, the scripture, Second uh, Kings is in the Old Testament. Um, and so we'll start there. All right, so verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria... He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel. Uh, She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now here we go. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you. And you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call, out, call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and Far Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And so he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have done it? Would would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? And so he went down, dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So, a great story. What can we learn from Naaman's story? I think we can learn a lot of things. The very first thing is this Pride will keep us from receiving what God has for us. Pride keeps us from being able to receive. Naaman was a very proud man. His status made him that way. Um, He was victorious in war, had the highest respect of the land, and when Elisha did not see him directly, he became offended. It's interesting to me how sometimes unmet expectations lead to offense. We we come in and, and we have an idea of how we think Something's gonna work or something's gonna happen. And when it doesn't happen that way, we get offended. We get bitter. Oh, I know when 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 I get to this church or this ministry and, and so-and-so lays his hands on me, I'm gonna get healed. And then so-and-so sends Derek to lay hands on you. You're like, I don't want Derek to lay hands on me. I came to see them. Or I know that, you know, what's gonna happen is, is they're gonna, they're gonna put oil on my head and, and and then I'll be able to receive. And, and God leads us to just simply pray over you. No, we have to understand that our expectations don't supersede God's word. If God says something, then we have to be obedient to do those things. And so with the pride that he was carrying I realized that he was about to give up on his blessing just because things were not working out as he would have expected. Sometimes that's where we fall into. Things don't look the way we want them to or they're not working out or I've been in the healing class for a while and things haven't happened the way I thought they would. So you know what? I'm just going to throw in the towel. I'm going to give up. What would have happened if Naaman walked away, got back on his horse and chariot and went back? he would have still been dealing with leprosy. I believe sometimes we give up way too early. And so we can't let pride steal from us. Proverbs 16, 18 says this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, sometimes we talk about pride and we, we, we think of one thing. Pride comes in many different forms. It could be we think we're better than someone. Um, Sometimes it's we think certain tasks or certain things are are beneath us. But also sometimes it's thinking we should be treated certain ways. And so we have to be very careful and make sure that we don't allow pride to get into our hearts. Let's look at this scripture. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Humility is... Causes us to be blessed, and so we don't want to harden our hearts. We want to remain open to God and what God wants us to do, and how God wants us to us to proceed. God doesn't operate in any way based on our, our way of thinking. We you understand that? God knows a little bit more than we do. A lot of bit. I just made up a word. A lot of bit. Okay, Look at this scripture. Isaiah 55, 8 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, Naaman came thinking, oh, he's going to wave his hand, and you know, I'm going to get a face-to-face meeting with Elisha. This is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. I'm, I'm going to be able to tell these stories, you know, for years to come. And and Elijah doesn't even come. He sends someone else and says, "Go and tell him to do this." Elijah's expectations weren't met. He got a little offended and frustrated. Sometimes, we come, and we want things to happen instantaneously. And when it doesn't happen, we get frustrated, offended. God says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. And so we have to still stand and trust and believe in the Lord. So the first thing here, guys, is is pride. Pride will keep us from receiving what God has has for us. The second thing is, is, I believe is very important, Who you have around you is very important. Who you have around you is very important. Back in verse 13, it says, Just as Naaman was getting to walk away, his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? His servant was the voice of reason. His servant was the one who pulled him back, whether it's a spouse, a friend, a pastor, a co-worker, when those around us speak words of faith, they point us back to the word of God, we should listen. We need to have good people around us at all times, especially in your healing journey. You don't want people around you who are telling you the statistics or telling you who they know who had the same condition and how long they suffered or, or who didn't make it. That doesn't help you. At all. In fact, if you have those people around you, let me encourage you to do something. Take a cue from Jesus. When faith wasn't present, Jesus put them out. If you don't believe me? Read, read in the New Testament. Every time faith was not present, Jesus didn't say, okay, that's okay. No, he put them out. We need to, do, we need to be willing to do the same thing. We need people around us who are going to encourage us add to our faith, add to the situation, just like this servant girl. Let's look at Proverbs 27, 6. It says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concern, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve hidden agendas. I love the God's Word translation. It says, Wounds made by a friend are intended to help, but an enemy's kisses are too much to bear. Those around us you want people around you who speak faith, who encourage us, who point us back to the scriptures, who don't let us throw in the towel, who don't let us give up? It's very important. Why? Because it's keep, it keeps us on the right path. Now, this has nothing to do with healing at all, uh, but we all have moments where we, we, we um, I can't say we all. I'll just tell on myself. I've had moments where I have not been in faith, and I've, I, I'm, I thank God that I have people around me. So I have my, my wedding ring, and about a month ago, I, I was here late one night, and I was driving out of the parking lot, and I never do this. I never do this because of the, the humidity here in Houston and all the weird bugs that fly into the car. And so, but for some reason, I said, you know what? I'm going to drive with the windows down tonight. And so I pulled out of the parking lot, and I turned left, and as I turned left, sure enough, one of our friendly bugs flew in the, ro- in the car, and I did like this, and my wedding ring flew out the window, and all I heard was ting, 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 and the sun had just gone down. And for 20 minutes, I walked up and down the road looking for my ring. Couldn't find it. People walking up and down the road, hey, what are you looking for? And then I started seeing some strange people come out. and I said, you know what, I'm good. I'm I'm done. So the next day I came in and told my story to some people on staff. And uh, Terry Myers, who is head of our facilities here, he said, uh, now what happened? I overheard you telling uh, some people about this. So I told him the story. And I said, yeah, but I'll never find it. I guess I'll have to wear that silicone ring I have at home. you know, it just frustrates me that I'll, I lost my ring. I'll never find it again. And, and I was getting ready to say something else, and Terry said, do you have faith or what? And I said, <laughs> he said, we're going to find your ring, and you're going to have it back on your hand. And he walks away. I thought, well, I, get, I just got checked, you know. <laughs> but I said, and I went by his office. I said, Terry, if you have faith, I'm joining my faith with you. Thank you for that. And I forgot about it. The next day, I get a text with a picture And it's a picture of my ring. He says, is this your ring? I said, yes. He went out there. It was pouring down raining. And he found my ring on the opposite side of the road of where where it flew out the window. Don't know how it got there. But I had somebody in my life who wouldn't let me speak doubt and unbelief. He cut me off and said, we're going to speak words of faith. We're going to find this ring. And then I had a decision to make. Was I going to say, no, don't worry about it. I'm good. No. I said, you know what, Terry? You're right. We're going to find my ring. I joined my faith with his. It's important to have good people around you. Sometimes all of us lose sight in this area. But good people have a way of pulling us back up, pulling us back in, getting us to refocus. And that's what happened here. This servant girl was like, hey. Hey. If he'd asked you to do it this way, would you have done Just listen. Just listen. You want people who will point you back to the word of God, who will point you back to the truth. So be, be very mindful of who you have around you. Psalm 141.5 says this, Let the godly strike me, it will be a kindness. If they correct me, it is soothing medicine. Did you catch that? Correction is a soothing medicine. I, you know, I tell these stories and I thank God that um, He uses them to help me to understand the very things that I I teach, the very things that I'm reading. Correction brings a soothing medicine. I have my ring today because I had someone in my life who was willing to correct me. Not to call me out, but out of love. We've worked together for several years, and he cares enough for me to correct me and to get involved. You want people who will get involved, who will join their faith with you. And so, who you have around you matters. So, pride keeps us from being able to receive what God has for us. We need to make sure we have the right people around us. And number three, God rewards obedience. Obedience is huge. Naaman dipped in the water, the dirty water, seven times because that was what he was instructed to do. I love that. If you you dig into the word dip, the actual meaning means to plunge or immerse yourself. Plunge or immerse yourself. I like to say it this way. Naaman went all in. (laughs) He went all in. He wasn't halfway. He went all in. And when he went all in, He became a doer, not just a hearer. He did exactly what he was instructed to do. And he was able to receive his healing. And so how do you and I become doers? So here's where we go. This is the the meat of what I want. What does a doer look like? Number one, we get into the word of God and we stay there. Like we get into the word of God and stay there. It's not enough for you to come to church and look at the slides that Derek puts on in healing class or they put on during main service. We have to get into the Word. What is the Word saying? Now, in this class, we do a lot of things. We put, I think, week one, Miss Joy put some, a list of scriptures back there, God's medicine. If you haven't memorized those, I would get, get those, and I would memorize those. Get that Word on the inside of you. Get it on the inside. Why? Why? James 8, 31, 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You want to stay there. Stay in the word. Nowhere else. You don't want to go on the Mayo Clinic. You don't want to go on and and Google your symptoms. You want to stay in the word of God. Why? Why? Because we have a promise from God that if we'll abide there, if we'll stay there, if we'll be consistent in the Word of God, it says we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. That's huge. That's how the Word of God works. You know, I've told that story and as silly as it was, it wasn't silly when I was going through it, but as silly as it was when I had pneumonia and I had another faithless moment and that guy came in, the nurse who told me that there was a guy my same height, my same size, who had the same symptoms, and he didn't make it. And then he walked out, and I thought I was going to die. And my words started to be doubt and unbelief and fear. And then when I realized I was going down the wrong path, and I, and I stopped speaking, and I opened my word, and I spent time in the word, as I spent time in the word, all the word that I had put in me from the past in the beginning started coming back up. And that truth, right before he left, right when, when he was in the room initially, the doctor came in, my left lung was full of fluid, and they said if it wasn't if it, if it didn't progress or if it didn't improve within the hour, they were going to drain it manually. But I spent time in the Word. I spent time in the Word. The Word came back to me that God is a healer, that He breathed the breath of life in me. All of those things came back and that truth freed me because an hour later, my left side of my lungs was clear. The Word works. But we have to abide there. We have to stay in there. You ever trying to think. When we first came to this church, we used to do some summer camps for kids during the summertime. At the time, I was working elsewhere, but I would come at lunchtime to, to see my wife. Um, and the one thing, the lasting thing that would always stay with me is, no matter where those kids were, I could always tell camp was going on, because as soon as you opened the door, there was a ungodly smell in the building. It just stayed in the building. If you've been around, you know what I'm talking about. And it was like, wow, this is summer camp. But it just lingered. It was strong. That's how we want to get with the Word of God, that no matter what's happening, it's just strong in us. That no matter what the diagnosis is, what it is that we're dealing with, it, it's lingering. The Word of God's still there. That's what abiding looks like. Not just going over the Scripture one time. Yep, yeah, Mr. Y went over those five Scriptures. I'm good. Are you? We want to get it on the inside of us. Don't you love the fact that we have a loving God who would give us His Scriptures? so that we could provide or find the healing that we need? It amazes me how for so many years, just blindly, my doctor would prescribe this or prescribe that or prescribe this. I didn't ask any questions. He said, take two of these every day until you finish them. Okay. And I did it. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And then I, I, I in my own life, read this scripture for the first time, and God said, abide. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like twice a week? What does that mean, Lord? But I learned that I have to approach God in the same way I did that doctor. In my mind, I saw the doctor as the expert. And if he prescribed this, then he knows what he's talking about. And so I'm going to finish it all. Well, in my walk in life now, if God says it, then I need to do it. I have to be willing to abide. And by abiding, you're doing something. Second thing is we have to change our thoughts. Change our thoughts. If all you see is yourself sick, if all you see is fear for the future, if all you see is the pain that's being inflicted on others, and if all you see is bad stuff, you're you're setting yourself up for um, a challenge in the days ahead. The Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I'm going to focus on one word. Is there anything praiseworthy about sickness? I'll ask again. Is there anything praiseworthy, guys, regarding sickness? Is there anything praiseworthy about disease? So don't think on it. Don't dwell on it. Don't focus on it. Is there anything praiseworthy about healing? Is there anything praiseworthy about having a soundness of mind? You have to get into the Scriptures. So if you abide in the Scriptures then you'll know what's praiseworthy. And then allow that word to guide your thoughts. Guide your thoughts. I love it. When I first came to healing class many, many years ago, Ms. Joy told a story about, I don't remember, but one of the kids came and asked if she was going to make it. And then she said, you know, she challenged herself and said, you know, what does a healthy person do? And so she started getting up and doing things. You have to be able to envision yourself doing those things that you're believing God for. You have to. That day in that hospital room, as I was believing God for my lungs to get healed, I got, started moving around. And if you've ever had pneumonia, it's hard to breathe. But I'm walking around and, and gasping for air, but I'm, I'm, I'm speaking the scriptures over it myself. They dismissed me that night at, at, at the hospital. And um, I didn't listen to the doctor, so I came to work the next day, and I shouldn't have. And I work upstairs, and so um, I think there's 16 stairs, 16 stairs, and I I took a step on one stair, and then I stood there for 10 minutes because I couldn't catch my breath. But I kept saying, Lord, I thank you that you're putting air in my lungs. took another step, and so it took me a while to get upstairs. Finally, I got upstairs. And I, did, I stayed for half a day, but wisdom said, go home and get some rest. <laughs> but every day I was de- determined. And every time I went up those stairs, I said, but Lord, I thank you for breath in my lungs. I thank you, Lord, that you're, you're strengthening my body, strengthening my lungs. I was focusing on getting stronger in my lungs, not on being sick in my lungs. You want to think on something that's praiseworthy. Does that make sense, guys? Bide in the word, change your thoughts. We want to speak, healing over ourselves. Speak God's words. Proverbs 18:20:21 20, says, "A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit." Our mouths, our tongues are very powerful. And then James chapter 3, verses 3 through 5 says, Indeed, we put bits in a horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Anybody in here work with horses? Okay, one horse. So the bits, and I don't know anything about horses, but you put the bit in the horse's mouth, and then wherever you pull, you steer the horse, right? Okay. Anybody in here been on a cruise ship? Y'all are brave. I've never been on a cruise ship. (laughs) But you got this big ship, thousands of people on this large vessel in the open ocean, and you have a small device underneath that's steering it. I love it because it says, wherever the pilot desires. So there's someone steering this boat. Just like there's a pilot steering the boat, we're the ones controlling our tongues. If you want to step into healing in your life, then what comes out of your mouth needs to be words of healing, words of faith. At all times. And so, if we're abiding in the Word, which is doing, if we're thinking on the right things, which is doing, and if we're speaking those right things, which is doing, we're going to see great results. We're going to see healing. So, we want to abide in the Word, change our thoughts, speak healing scriptures. Number four, we want to stand strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, watch, stand fast in faith, be brave and be strong. Be brave and be strong. I um I remember um, a long time ago. So there was a season in my life where I was afraid of dogs, okay? Um, and, and my, my parents would tell you, my dad would tell you that probably my elementary through my junior high schools, uh, probably once a week, he could find me standing on top of somebody's car because a little dog would chase me down the road, uh, because I was afraid of dogs. Well, I remember we lived in this one house where, I mean, when you came in the backyard, you would hear the deepest bark. I mean, he'd be snarling and... Just aggressive and even through the fence, there was a fear on the inside of me. And I'll never forget the day the neighbors invited us over. We went into the house and I was able to look out the back patio door. And it was just a little something, little itty bitty dog. I'm like, what in the world? But in my mind, I'd made up that it was this fierce beast that was gonna attack me, that was gonna take me out. And I'll never forget, that picture helped me kill my fear of dogs, because that one day I I was walking down the street, and this dog actually got out, and he came up, and he was barking at me, and I was like, no. And he came running up, and I just took a step toward him, and I said, get, and he took off, yelping. And so now every dog that came my way, it was like, get, and they all just took off. And I made it up in my mind I was going to take a stand that no dog was going to have me. Well, plus I started playing sports and I didn't want everybody to find out that I was afraid of dogs. (laughs) But I decided to take a stand that I wasn't going to be fearful anymore. And so I dug in. And many of us, we've got to dig in. We're believing God for healing, believing God uh, for these things to go away. We can't give up we got to hold on to God's word, stand fast, stand strong, and not lose the sight of that if God says healing is available to us, that he, he healed us, that we're going to receive it. And if we'll do all those things, I think one of the most important things that we have to remember to do is that we have to believe. We have to believe that God is still in the healing business today. We have to believe that God's still a healer. And I think most importantly, we have to believe that God will heal us, has healed us. I've learned for many years that people believe these things about God, but they struggle sometimes believing that God will do it for them. So let's look at a few scriptures here. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So a lot of us, it's easy. We believe that Jesus is the Christ. We believe he died on the cross for us. And we believe that we're going to heaven because we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. Scripture doesn't stop there. It says, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God will bless you. If you're abiding in his word, If you're thinking on those praiseworthy things that you're learning, if you're allowing those praiseworthy things to come out of your mouth, he's going to reward you. Look at this scripture, Mark 11, 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Who said that? Who, Who said it? Jesus said it. Like, this is not someone else telling you what he said. He said it. He says, Listen, do you want healing? I'm asking you now, does anybody in here want healing? Okay, so I'm going to let you in on a little secret, okay? Don't tell anybody I told you this. But this is what Jesus said that when you pray to him, if you believe, you will receive. Okay, I wasn't a great student in high school, but I had a teacher, her name was Miss Pilot. I loved her, because she would do this. All right, pull out your paper for your quiz. Number one to 10. All right, ready? Here we go. Uh, Number one, might be A, probably is A. Um, Okay, number two, number two might be B. Actually, it is B. And all the questions she would go down, she'd give us an answer. Then she'd say, okay, Trade papers with someone. Answer number one is A. Answer number two is B. Whole class will get 100. She gave us the answers. And I loved her for it. And I got a good grade because she gave me the answers. (laughs) Do you realize Jesus just gave you an answer? He said, when you pray, if you believe you will receive. That's all he said. And so we need to start believing. Believing that he's a healer, believing that he's a healing for, healer for me, believing that he will heal me. We have to believe that. Matthew 21:22 says, "And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you receive." And then Mark 9:23 says, "Jesus said to him, if you can believe, then all things are possible to him who believes." There's nothing impossible, guys. Nothing impossible. Why? How can I say that? In Naaman's time, the guy we just read about, this is Naaman, right? In Naaman's time, there was no cure for leprosy. No cure at all. There was no CDC. They weren't running tests for things. There was no cure for leprosy. And when he did what the man of God told him to do, The Bible says he was healed. If you and I will believe God when we pray, we will be healed. Amen? If God works, it works every time, and it will work for you. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you for each and every word that came forth. Lord, I thank you that your words will remain and not mine. And I thank you, Lord God, for blessing each and every person here tonight. I thank you for healing in bodies, healing in minds, Lord God. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, for complete revelation of how you will reward us in this area of our healing. Lord, I thank you for blessing each and every person here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.